This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, adults, did you ask those questions as well when you were in the car? How long? You guys never asked that? Oh, come on. You ask it from the driver's seat. You ask it from the passenger seat. Uh, it's the funny thing about growing up. We ask the same things as kids. We just don't tell kids we ask the same things. We just pretend like, kids, if only you were mature like us, you wouldn't ask these silly questions. Kids are just miniature what? They're just miniature adults. Uh, there's a lot about them that, that needs to be developed and set there. But there's another thing that's knocking on our door this morning. And here it is. I watched your faces, and I will tell you, your faces look very different this morning because this is one of those gospel readings where you all said, can we say that this is gospel? You were kind of like, hmm. Well, let's get right to it because I want to set where we're headed uh, in the reading this morning, and we'll get to Habakkuk, but to get there, the gospel reading, the appointed reading uh, in the three-year lecture this morning is this. So just if you're like, did pastor just drop this? This is the appointed reading. It's like, this was intentional. This isn't like, oh, Pastor Mike must have changed it because we're doing Habakkuk. No, this is, this is actually what it's there. Ready? Luke 12, 49 to 51. I came to cast fire on the earth. And would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. That's Jesus speaking there in Luke chapter 12. I mean, it's a hard enough reading that you kind of get left going, well, where's the gospel? Where's the peace? I mean, Luther is supposed to have law and gospel and others, and I'm not seeing a whole lot of deliverance uh, coming out here in Luke 12. Well, you know what? If you thought that was bad, just keep reading. From now on, in one house, there'll be five divided, three against two, Two against three, they'll be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then you, then you get that little phrase when a pastor will say, this is the gospel of the Lord. And you're supposed to be like, strangely warmed. Right? See, on a reading like this, you kind of sit there and go, all right. Just kind of you know, check your collar a little bit, just... See if you've got some room, because what do we make of this text? This is not campfires and s'mores and kumbayas. This is not the exciting text that just kind of gets you there. This is some real challenging stuff. But you have to have read all of Luke 12, because Jesus doesn't just drop in. Now, if you've got your Bible open, I'm going to start with, with verse 22. I'm not going to display them all. So if you've got it and you want to follow along, I'll, I'll give you the verses, but I'm going to drop you a few other places in Luke 12 to realize Jesus doesn't just drop the people off at the division and the stripes. He begins with these things. He knew where he was headed. He began with the end in mind. Luke 12, verse 22, he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, and what you will put on. See, it was, be aware, stuff's going to be tough. Don't be anxious. Here's verse 32, same chapter. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
It's coming to you. I'm going to deliver this kingdom to you. And then verse 35 and 36, still in 12, all leading up to what we heard is kind of what seems divisive. Here's 35 and 36, stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. See, Jesus wanted to make sure before he got to 49 and following, there's stuff that you need to know. Don't be anxious. I'm going to bring the kingdom to you. Be ready. See, if you come in with, don't be anxious, the kingdom's yours, and be ready, the division and divisiveness that happens later in 12 doesn't strike you as much. When you just hear 49 to 53, you kind of, well, I watched you all. You did this. Hmm, do we say amen to that? I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that gospel reading. I don't like that gospel reading. Well, the truth is, Jesus wants to let his hearers know that life's tough. And there are some things that when God speaks, they're going to cause division. God actually has things that are true that other people may not like. And even when we say them, we might be like, oh, I don't know if we can say that. You ready? It's weird. I wrote down three things that I thought are tough for the world to hear today. That truthfully, if you had told me these were tough when I was born, I'd have told you that you're crazy. You ready? Here's one. God has a clear picture of marriage between a man and a woman. If you had told me that would be questioned in my lifetime, I would have told you that was odd. God created us male and female. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. See, I don't even have to add anything else to saying those three things. You know exactly the challenges that we are facing. The world's kind of doing different things, and now it feels more like Luke 49 to 53 in chapter 12, division and divisiveness and people against each other and sitting there. And Some of you are wondering, well, how could a mother be against a daughter? How could a daughter-in-law be against a mother-in-law? Bring up those three things, and you know what? You've got some pretty quick ways that families can find themselves divided real fast. So I'll just go to a church that doesn't bring those up, right? Because that's better. We'll just, we'll just go to a church that doesn't do that. I would suggest to you this is one of the great idols of today. We have created a God where we say, as long as we can keep the peace, that's what we want to hear. Don't give me Luke 12, 49 to 53. That's divisive. I don't need that. Don't tell me something that God says I'm thinking, doing, or saying is out of bounds. I don't need that. I don't like divisiveness, so my God is just keep that at the side. The challenge is the scriptures don't speak that way, nor did Jesus. Jesus came and said there are certain things that we have to remember. Here's a tough thing about Jesus. Did you know that when Jesus came, earthly peace was not his primary goal? The church doesn't always talk that way, though. We talk about peace. There will always be peace. Well, what do you do with Luke 12? I would suggest to you, earthly peace isn't the goal. The ultimate goal was alignment of the world to who? God the Father. That alignment to God the Father will result in peace. Please don't hear me suggest that God isn't interested in peace. He just realizes peace at any cost isn't peace at all. It's a sham. It's fake. It's not real. You can pretend that you don't disagree with someone, but the truth is you, you do. You just don't bring it up. You know, that whole like, hey, I'll just, I'll not bring that up and that'll be fine. Uh, when the church stops saying what God is doing, it doesn't mean that God still isn't doing those things. So Habakkuk is the setting for us this morning. 
And it's easy to look at a back and say, that's Old Testament. That's when God was mean. Except you heard what I heard this morning. You heard Luke chapter 12, verse 49 to 53, where Jesus came in and said, I came and there's going to be some fire and stuff's going to be kindled. Why? Because God actually has things that he says are in bounds and he's got other things he says are out of bounds. Anybody like being told they're out of bounds? No. Go to any sporting event, specifically like kids' soccer. It's hilarious. Watch the line judge when they say something's in or out. You can choose any other sport, too. You can choose field hockey. You can choose lacrosse. It's always great. The dispute about was it in or out. Or if you don't even like those sports, just choose volleyball. No, no, it was on the line. Is the line in? Is the line out? Now, I know officially there are decisions on that. I know the rule book really says it. But, man, when you get into the backyard playing, everybody's got an opinion whether or not it's really in the book or not. But now you guys have smartphones. You're like, oh, don't worry, I have a smartphone. I can show you the official rule book. It says this. Well, God's got an official rule book too. And he actually says how he intends things to be and how things are broken. It's what leads us not to car ride trips of how long, but, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? The cry of Habakkuk. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or you cry violence and you will not save. A lot of the church today, when I say church, I actually mean the church universal. Not a denomination, the church across the world going, God, do you not see what's going on? To which God says, I do. I do see it. I do see the challenges. I do see that there's a struggle in the midst of what's going on. And when we don't have answers, when we don't feel peace, we just, well, a natural tendency for us when we don't like what's going on is to do what? Yell, scream, get puffed up, post something, write something, say something we wish we hadn't said, or, there's the other one, say nothing. But you put your arms in your posture in such a way you've said what? Every, yeah, so you've already said everything. You're sitting there going, well, he does not look very nice right now. He looks rather annoyed and frustrated and angry. I mean, you've had people speak to you with their bodies in ways that words could never have expressed, and you've thought, well, I guess they won't be visiting at Thanksgiving ever again in the history of Earth. I mean, it's just people make it very clear when they're comfortable and when they're not. Habakkuk in chapter 2 starts to respond. We hear the, the Lord in the, the back and forth as the prophet's asking. We hear responses. And God invites him and says, write down what I'm doing, Habakkuk. Write it down. For the vision still awaits its appointed time. The Lord responds and says, I'm going to be there. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to provide. And that this deliverance is hastening towards its end. And when you start talking about something hastening towards its end, you get this picture of either somebody running or there's a car driving and it's going fast and we're getting there. Now, how many of you feel like the end is closer than it was in Habakkuk's day? Maybe. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, mathematically, yes, I get that it's closer. But, you know, I don't know because you don't know what. You don't know when the end is. You don't know when the end is coming. So you're sitting there going, are we at the halfway point? Is it tomorrow? But the text says it's hastening to its end, and it will not lie. The Lord goes on and says, if it seems slow, wait for it. Your parents ever try that in the car? Are we there yet? Wait for it. I think I said my brother and I, it would not have gone well. And it doesn't go that well with God's people when the Lord says, wait for it. The truth is we get frustrated, and not just Habakkuk's day. It's us as well. You see things around you, you're going, the world's seemingly against you, God. 
but the scriptures have told us again and again through the prophets as we've read them this summer. Much of the world has been opposed to God. They've not wanted to be corrected. But it doesn't mean that God stops offering the correction. It doesn't mean that God doesn't rebuke. Rebuke's not fun. But boy, when you are actually corrected, it's amazing. Have you ever been corrected by someone and then actually listened to it? And then a few months later, it's not normally later that day, I know that, but a few months later, and you don't even mention it, you just sit down with that person or work with that person and realize, we are better together because we have that moment in our past where whether or not you corrected them or they corrected you, in many ways it doesn't matter, but you function together now because of what was happening. But impatience isn't just a grandchildren and children thing, though. Impatience is also a what thing? It's an adult thing. The weird thing about adults, though, is we are much more wicked and evil and conniving in what we do when we're impatient. You think a child is bad sitting in the back doing what? Because, I mean, like, kind of the worst. I get kids can say things, but, like, they might throw a toy at you. They may kick the back of the seat. That's right. Thank you. (laughs) That one can be very annoying. But as adults, we're even more wicked. We will come up with ways to make someone lose their job. We will report someone. We have secret ways of blowing a whistle on someone, destroying a family, leaving a few little things out so they'll get in trouble in other ways. We are much, much more aggressive in our ability to make someone not like it. But so many times when we talk about impatience, we think it's a kid thing. Oh, no, when when we're impatient as adults... The depths that we will go are are quite saddening. But then Habakkuk responds in verse 3 and says this, it'll come, it will not delay, and then the righteous will live by faith. Now we heard extended from chapter 11 of Hebrews. And in chapter 11 of Hebrews, which we started last week, some of you are like, hey, didn't we hear this last week? We did. We heard the first 16 verses of that hall of faith or the by faith chapter. And it continues to talk about God's people being able to persevere again and again because they cling to the promise of God. They do what seems impossible because God promised them ultimate deliverance, even when things didn't seem to make sense. It's the by faith. But I want you to realize faith isn't like salt and pepper. How do we normally use salt and pepper? We use them to season Now, salt can be used as a preservative, and I realize it's seasons, but pepper, you just kind of preserve. But I think sometimes when we talk about faith in the church, we think of it as like just a a little thing that you decorate your plate with. Like if I could just get a little more dash of faith. Faith isn't something you decorate your spiritual life with. It is the center of your spiritual life. It is the meat. It is the flesh. It is the core. Faith's the leaven. It's the leaven inside your spiritual life that actually lets you grow. Remember in bread, you've you got to get the leaven all the way through, and if not, what's your bread do? It goes, and then in the side where you didn't get the leaven, it goes. And so it is with faith. You've got to make sure that faith is mixed into every part of you. If not, you're going to find one part of your life that just kind of does what? Slowly but surely dips down lower and droops, and at some point, someone's going to look at you and say, is something, something wrong with you? you? You seem to be listing to one side. And the normal human response would be what? Yeah, I'm fine. Nothing, no, nothing's wrong. When the world can clearly see 
no human being was intended to regularly stand at a 45-degree angle. That's just, that's not normal. But we're afraid. We're afraid to see that maybe something is askew. If you've got your Bible, flip to Hebrews 12. I want to take you there so you can see what built on 11. And yes, we read 17 all the way to 31 and 11. But I, I had us read all that so you could get to 12. So you could hear again and again all these names. Uh, crossing the Jordan, delivering from Egypt, the river opening, Noah and Moses and all these. So that you get this. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... You've got to remember this. When you get out of the Old Testament, some of you are going to be like, man, I can't wait. September 22nd, Old Testament will be in my rear view. That's fine. Don't worry. I get it. New Testament's coming. But don't lose this. Therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That's the Old Testament. It is witness after witness after witness of what God is doing. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely you catch that? This is actually written to people in the Christian faith. And the writer of Hebrews describes that we've got sin hanging where? I mean, I mean, it's right there. It's so close to you that you can actually just reach out and reach out and grab it. It's a daily walk. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that sets before us, looking to Jesus. And here we start to unpack Habakkuk. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, if the righteous live by faith, Habakkuk 2 verse 4, chapter 2, 4, the righteous live by faith. Who gave us faith? Jesus did. Not the Jesus who appears on the scene in the New Testament. The Jesus who has been there from the beginning of creation. Read the front of Hebrews and Hebrews tells you that he was there where? That Jesus was there in the beginning, actually involved in the creation of the universe. Hebrews is an awesome book to connect Old and New Testament together and realize it's not Old and New. It actually is Testament. It is God's united story. The founder and perfecter of it, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Could you imagine that? To have all the power and the glory and the kingdom forever and ever. I mean, end of the Lord's Prayer kind of stuff. Have all that. And in the face of having all the power, all the glory, and the kingdom, you set it aside and you say, I'll go and endure the cross. I'll endure death that I don't deserve, that I didn't earn, that isn't mine. I am perfect. I am holy. I am righteous. I have done no wrong. And I will do that. So a bunch of people sit in the back of a car at some point in the future can scream out, How long, O oh Lord? <laughs> and God will say, I got you. I've taken care of that. But most of you realize by now we're not just talking about the back of cars. <laughs> we're talking about sitting in a hospital bed and you're looking up at the doctor who says it's all going to be all right. And you look up at him and you say, yeah, easy for you to say, I'm the one in the hospital bed. But most patients don't actually say that. They might think it. Instead, they look up and they just say, thanks, Doc. Or they say nothing at all because they're so disarmed by what's happening in their life, it doesn't make sense. But Hebrews 12 tells you you've got a cloud of witnesses. You have this history of God caring for his people. We see further then how this develops in verse 3. Consider him. That is, think of Jesus. Consider him. Dwell on him. 
Think about him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you, you catch this? So that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The cross wasn't just about giving you eternal life. It's about making sure you aren't faint and weak today. You've got deliverance at this very hour. The how long finds its answer so that Habakkuk could end with what? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk does not see the ultimate deliverance of the people. Habakkuk does not live to see the destruction of Babylon. Habakkuk does not live to see Herod's temple. Habakkuk does not live to see Jesus born in Nazareth. Habakkuk does not live to see the empty tomb. The women don't run back and say, hey, quick, gather the disciples and Habakkuk. Because that prophet's going to want to know, we got the answer to how long. Habakkuk didn't need that. Because Habakkuk had everything that the prophet needed. Faith in the promise that God would deliver. And a cloud of witnesses far back in the history of God's people that said God has never let people down. And as he has never let them down, so the prophet could then close in these words, Yet I rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength, and he makes my feet like deer's. Now, we have a different opinion of deer in the last hundred years of human history. Because most of you now don't view deer probably the way they viewed it there. What do you view of deer now? Get out of the way of my car. This is kind of the normal human interaction with deer today. Sadly, a couple of you have another picture of deer that starts in September or October, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> he makes my feet like deer's. What I want you to remember is what he's talking about is he makes your feet what? What are deer doing? Man, do they prance and jump and bounce and bound. If you've, I hope you've had that moment in your life to watch a field of deer scatter. And just to see them so delicately float through the air. And if you've ever been close to a deer, you're going, how do you jump on such small little feet? That has got to hurt you. How are you doing that? I don't know. Now, someone knows the physiology and all the others behind it. That's great. But I'm comfortable just thinking God made it that way, and that's wonderful. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. God has picked you up today from whatever place you are, so that you might bound and jump forward. And he will feed you in a few moments at his table, so you might hold and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then if you're sitting there going, well, yeah, but what about my faith? It's the faith that we will confess, that we will share, and that we will declare together in the words of the Nicene Creed that God promised he'd send a Savior, that he sent a Savior, and that that Savior has risen, has ascended, and reigns on high for you and me. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.